Parenting Today is a podcast produced by Reformed Youth Ministries. Whether you feel competent or confused in parenting, this podcast seeks to apply God's truth to the culture of today. For more information on this ministry, visit rym.org. Hey everyone, welcome back to Parenting Today. I'm here with Kurt Cooper, uh, continuing our conversation on sports and teenagers. Uh, And we were ending talking about just some of the, the evidence of the fall in sports and some of the ways in which sin has crept into this good gift that we would both say sports are a good thing. And we did say that and pointed to some creational good on Tuesday. Uh, But just like anything else, they're infected by sin as it's poisoned all of creation. And so we were uh, talking specifically about uh, parents living vicariously through their children. And Kurt was getting into some identity things. And let me just say this, as uh, annoying as it is to hear an author plug their own book, but in my book, Time Out, that um, I released entitled The Gift or Guide of Youth Sports, um, there, there's a section, there's three appendices in the book. And one, the first is, a prayer before the game or discussion before the game with your child. And then it's discussion and prayer after the game is the second one. And then the third one is um, a note to the non-athlete. I think that's how it was entitled. And uh, yeah, a message to the non-athlete. And I think just it's important to bring this up in this conversation because, Kurt, what you said was, you know, parents bragging about their children on social media. Um, well, what about the the parent of a child out there who doesn't have an athletically gifted child. And I think as important as it is for us to think biblically about sports, uh, we, we do have to wrestle with, okay, we can make, or we do make too much of sports and we make them the kind of end all be all. I mean, we, we know sports are a huge uh, source of idolatry. And so what about those kids out there who are not athletically gifted at all and they feel mm. lesser And the parents can even feel like we've failed as a parent because we haven't raised them to be an athlete or whatever. And so we we just we've got to be cautious of that as Christians. We've got to be aware of that. We've got to see how we constantly put put athletes up on a pedestal. I was going to say, can I make a kind of a sarcastic joke? But if your kid is not if your kid is not athletic, then he's going to be forced to develop a personality. So I'm very sorry. Um, that, that was good <laughs> but completely inappropriate kurt that's uh very inappropriate i'm really sorry they, they uh there's a chance there's a chance that she he or she might be forced to actually be you know <laughs> engaging no uh, that's not true because we know lots of people who are very good at sports are good at other things too and people who are not good at sports are you know whatever but yeah, um, but, that's, but, a cla- that's a classic cross-country runner joke right there. <laughs> I've got lots of them. I've got lots that, of them. That is funny, Kurt, and I do appreciate that. Um, and I think it's funny that you, you pointed that out. <laughs> Jokes aside, this is a serious thing to, yeah. to think about because there are, like like you said, and you, you, you know, said it on Tuesday, when a child grows up thinking, you know, their identity is soccer, baseball, football. That's all they do. And they're known to you say, Hey, who are you? Hey, I'm Johnny, the the baseball player, whatever. Mm. Their identity is so attached that uh, that when they blow their ACL or get injured, their identity is gone and they, they don't know what to do. And, And we have to see as parents, you know, as adults, we, we understand that, you know, sports aren't the end all be all. But when we're talking about eight, nine, 10 year olds, junior high, high school, 
they are not they're not aware of that. And we've got to disciple them to it, realize it starts that they're more before that. that. I would say it starts before that. I mean, just personal anecdote is that my son started kindergarten and he loves to run and he wants to be fast. And he kind of had an existential crisis when um, he came home after about two weeks of kindergarten because he was not fast. Like he just wasn't as fast as several of the boys in his class. Like not only was he not, he thought he was fast and he, he wasn't fast. I mean, he was, he was, I think he's fast, but he's not fast as other boys. And it, you know, it started, I mean, we, we used to, I asked the high school students in my youth group, I'd be like, do you remember what it was like in junior high? I mean, not in junior high to be in kindergarten and first grade. And like what you thought mattered, like how someone was cool. And they said, oh, it's easy. The oldest kid and the fastest kid are the coolest kids in the class. Always. Because it's, you know, they would say always, there's no arguing if you're old or if you're fast, you're important. Um, And so like the idea that like you can derive your importance from sports and that sports matter, like that is ingrained into our children much younger than when they're in junior high. And I, I remember talking to a student. I don't know how much time we have for anecdotes, but I remember talking no, to a good, student. We're good. I, I was talking to a student and I said, why don't you run for student council or you know SGA or whatever uh, the version of that was? And he said, ah, there's no point in it. And I said, why? I said, I think you'd be good at that. And he said, um, and he said, so-and-so is running. And I said, who's he? And he's like, he's the best he's the best athlete in the, at the school. And I was like, so what does that have to do with anything? He was like, it has everything to do with everything. And, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I knew the answer to that, but to hear him kind of articulate it freely and be like, ah, you know, like he's, you know, there, I, athleticism is, uh, it's definitely idolized and, um, you know, talent, you know, and it's not just athleticism, singing, you know, other things too are idolized. And if we contribute as Christians, if we contribute to that culture, we're doing the exact opposite of what our mission is, um, which is, is to uphold Jesus Christ as the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And instead we're saying, no, this created good or this person who can be good at this. And we all fall into it. All of your, all of your students know who Odell Beckham is. And the reason they know who Odell Beckham is, is not because he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. He's not. The reason they know who he is is because he made one insane catch. He's good. You know, he's a great NFL or he's a good NFL player. But he made one insane catch and they all know who he is. And that glory that they will scream out. You watch them play on the, you know, out in the uh, out in the on the side of the field during a Friday night football game. And all the little kids are out there. And when they throw the ball up in the air, they're screaming out Odell, you know, just like everyone knows who Steph Curry is or everyone knows who whoever is. And they see that glory and. If we don't do anything to counteract that, all that we're saying is, yes, that's right. If you are good at sports, you matter. Mm-hmm. And sports is the only thing that matters. And if you can't be good at sports, then you better be good at making good grades. And if, you yeah. if you're not good at either one of those, then what good are you? I mean, that's really kind of what we're saying. Um, yes, absolutely. And I mean, I, I would even say, I mean, some of the, the ways in which this has been manifested in my own heart as a parent is – We've been intentional to not start our children in sports at young at a young age, and the wrestling in my heart of, you know, am I doing a disservice to my children? Have they already missed out because you know I've heard of leagues that won't accept your children in certain sports that they haven't started at a younger age, and so part of me is thinking, okay, my children aren't going to be normal if they're not athletic, and so just wrestling with that as a parent. I mean, we've got to kind of be aware of that 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 is idolatry, and um, again, their identity is not 
ultimately tied up in that. And so, Kurt, I think we can we can move off of um, this specific area of ideology to a few more things before we get into redemption. Something yeah. I do want to want to bring up, and this is my own church's website. If you go to pearorchard.org, uh, they've got a blog called no- Notes from the Orchard. And there's one uh, put on there, uh, a post called, Where Do You Find Yourself on This Idolatry Chart? And this idolatry chart is developed from material uh, from Tim Keller. Um, I, I don't know if it's specifically from his book, Counterfeit Gods, or if it's some sermons or whatever, but they've uh, created an idolatry chart. And it's got um, you know the idols of comfort, approval, control, power. And then how, it's, how it can be manifested in so many different ways in our lives. And I think it's, it's a helpful thing to look at, to think about. I mean, goodness. I mean, idolatry is, you know, it's the first of the Ten Commandments. No other gods before me. And so we've got to see how, I mean, John Calvin, our hearts are idol factories. We're constantly churning idols out all the time. And so we've got to, as as followers of Jesus Christ, uh, reflecting upon our own hearts, thinking of ways in which idols are, are being created, and by God's grace, by the power of His Spirit, fighting against those idols. Because as we're, you know, talking about this in sports, they say, I know many people have heard this. You know, how do you um, find or yeah, find your own idols that you struggle with? You look at your calendar. That is what you spend the most time doing. You look at your checkbook. That is what you spend the most money on. And some that I've said is, you know, what makes you angry? Uh, That's not always how you can find your idols, but it's often revealing your idols because false gods cannot defend themselves. We've got to defend them. And so what makes you angry uh, can also reveal idolatry. And so there's all sorts of idolatry that's in sports. And we, we, Realize that we're aware of that. Uh, look at the time. Look at the money you're spending on it, uh, Kurt. Anything else as well, we start to transition this? We've got a few more. Sure. Minutes, so I, I think there's a there's a pretty famous sermon about by David Platt in Birmingham. Um, I think he wrote the book Radical, and I think he has a pretty famous sermon that went around Alabama a lot, where he compared uh, how people treat uh, Alabama and Auburn football. Um, and how it reveals their idolatry, how excited they get, you know, and they, they invite other people and they, all the things that we would want people to do for church, for evangelism, like it's the way that they treat those things. You, you can find that. I'll, 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 yeah. I can find it after this and send you the link to it. But it, I do it, think it, he, I think yeah. he quoted that from a book called Good Game by Sean oh, really? Hoffman. Because okay. I think it's, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, people often walk in late to worship, but they yeah. shop hours before the game starts. Yeah. Those kind of comparisons. Yeah. It's hard to hear, and it stings. And I actually, I remember posting some of it on Facebook and getting blasted by people for doing that. So, um, oh, really? Anyway, but but yeah, I can remember that. Yep. I, man, see, this is why I just I got off social media. My ego couldn't handle being blasted. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Me too. No, uh, no, I, I I do want to talk about redemption. I want to say one more thing that I think feeds into the idolatry of sports, and that's this. Um, Because sports, when we talked about the creative good, because it talks, because sports demand discipline and practice, and because one of the great joys of sports is the fellowship that you receive on a team and the commitment that you have to that team, one of the things that happens that I see with my students that happens with sports is sports, like that idea of commitment to the team and discipline becomes a cudgel that to beat out any other thing that might compete, you know, pun intended with sports. Uh, you know, you want to go on a mission trip. Well, we have two a days. And if you go on that mission trip, 
you might not have your starting spot when you come back. Um, that's not ever said kind of like that, but it is definitely implied. Um, you know, every long weekend, you want to go on a church retreat? We have one on Martin Luther King weekend and a bunch of people who play basketball will not be on that retreat. And why won't they be on the retreat? Because there's a junior high basketball tournament just within the city, um, that they have and they schedule it for that weekend. And we just see it as a youth minister. I see it all the time. Uh, you know, the church always takes a backseat to the sports team. Always. It never, some people say, well, sometimes the church needs to win. We had a speaker say this when they were talking about sports. Well, sometimes the church needs to win. Well, I would tell you that it never happens. Um, it literally never happens. Um, in a, uh, because sports demand that commitment and that discipline and the church is where you get grace. So we'll just put the church on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just see it all the time. Like it's not something that happens every once in a while is literally the status quo in churches. And I bet that our church is not much different from a lot of other churches where, you know, Oh, well, I don't want to play in this meaningless postseason tournament for middle school basketball. So I'm going to go on this retreat. And the coach is like, well, just don't try out next year. We don't want you on the team. And, you know, and parents will say, well, you committed to basketball. And I'm like, you committed to basketball. Like, you co- it's a game. How can you commit to it? Um, like, it's not, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we're not talking. To, anyway, we, no, you know, I, I can see that you can argue against me because I know there's some arguments. I'm sure some people are like, well, just hold on, you know, like this and that. And I'll just I'll just make this point And that'll be the end of my side of the argument. And you can talk to John if you don't like any of this, but you just show me a time where church won over sports. If you live in the American South, which is where I minister, if you live in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, or Louisiana, and we have a lot of listeners from all over the place, but I'm just talking about my area. If you can show me a time in your athlete's life where church beats sports, it doesn't have to be like an Eric Little situation, but just, just show me a time I will concede that church sometimes beats sports, but I can show you for everyone that you can show me, I can show you a thousand where it doesn't. And to me, that is a definite problem is that um, it's the primary source of community for our students and it it cudgels everything else out of their schedule so that they can commit to the team. And I've never been on team. I've never been on team. So that's the first thing. There's your ad hominem argument. What does he know? He's never been on team. I ran cross country. (laughs) That's technically a team sport, but it's really not. I got you, but Okay. <laughs> and and I, Kurt, I can imagine there are going to be some out there just completely rolling their eyes uh, at your sure. comments, or maybe sure. even you know have have tuned us out already. Um, but <clears throat> it's reality. Uh, I mean, it, it's got to be brought up. I mean, I had plenty of students say, "Hey, um, you know, we've committed to the team," and you know, I've said this before. People have heard me say, "Well." what about your commitment to Jesus Christ? You know, does that mean anything? We've got to think about, uh, you know, what we're modeling to our young children Mm -hmm. I mean, by our priorities. I mean, it's, again, they lack the discernment to kind of think through all of this. But when one event is winning out to all others, I mean, it's clear what's a priority and what's important. And uh, Christians have to wrestle with this. Uh, We, you know, I say it almost just, defeated when I, when I say it, I mean, Christians have to start, start telling sports no and saying yes to the church. Um, but I know many will not, and many will just kind of throw out grace and, you know, church attendance doesn't save us. And as I've said plenty of times before, but there have been many times where people have been saved by attending church. 
Um, even even we both, though we both know someone. So anyway, yeah, exactly. We have a common friend who just happened to attend church and was, you know, right. redeemed. And, and I, I'll have a parent say, "Well, my my child's already a Christian, so they don't need to go on that retreat anyway." And I'll be like, "You know, that's a pretty." That's a pretty low view of justification and sanctification. Um, but, you know, all, all that to say is that the same parents, and I, I'm trying to say this as gently as I can, but the same parents who say those things, a lot of them, not just not a majority of them, not even a plurality of them, but a significant portion of them will come back later on and say, well, my child went to college and now he's or she is finished college and they never really went to church and they're not involved in the church. And we're just so worried that our grandchildren are going to grow up. If they get married, we're so worried our grandchildren are going to grow up. And I'll be like, you know, the sarcastic part of me wants to be like, well, there you go. But Hey, they got a good volleyball serve. So that's awesome. Um, you know, that's the sarcastic part, but the real, you know, you know, the real, the thing I want to say is that that's what's at stake here. You know, like, are you, are you teaching your children that the lifeblood of their of their spiritual walk with Jesus Christ is found in the corporate community of believers, the church, the very vehicle that he gave us so that we might not have to walk alone? Are you teaching them that, you know, as long as you're part of a team and you're good at sports and everything's OK? Um, and, you know, there's a, that's a spectrum. You know, obviously there's things in between that. But I mean, that is what's at stake here. And I, I get a lot of eyes rolled at me. I'm just kind of used to it. Um, so at this well, point, I do, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess this could sound cheesy, but I do applaud you, Kurt, because it's not easy to address this in the local church. It's, it's something I, I definitely, you know, as I taught Sunday school and as I taught on Wednesday nights to youth, and then even from the pulpit, uh, I would address it from, from time to time, but I would also back off of it more often than not, because I just knew it, it's going to rub people the wrong way and people quickly, tune you out and quickly stop listening to you. And again, I just think that's more evidence of how huge of an idol this is and in our heart that we don't even want to hear it. And we get very angry, very defensive. Um, and it's so interesting again, and we'll, we'll move off of this cause we've definitely, uh, we're getting on, on a soapbox for sure. Um, but it's so interesting how quickly many Bible believing Christians rush to the defense of sports, but mm. not the defense of the bride of Jesus Christ. Um, and it's, it's something we've got to be sobered by. We've got to listen to and, um, wrestle with. So, okay. We just, uh, spent a lot of time talking about the aspects of the fall in sports and we did not even scratch the surface because there's so much more we could talk about. But Kurt, we both started saying sports are a good thing for sure. We want to echo that, say that, repeat that. So they how can, can we go? Be, I, I want to be careful that I want to say they can be a good thing. They can be, yeah. they can also be a yes. very bad thing. So yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so how, how do we redeem it? I, I think just first, um, how do we redeem it as Christians? Uh, we've got to keep some priorities in place. Um, I mean, this will sound very simplistic and very obvious, but it's, I think, you know, as we're, we're trying to point to the scriptures for guidance here, um, we've got to, to state where the scriptures are explicit for sure. Um, you know, keeping God first. All right. Mm. And that, that, that starts with the parents keeping God, the Lord of their life. I mean, having times of personal devotion, having times where they're in the word, having times of prayer, just them individually as a person between them and the Lord, that's got to be first. Um, as a family, keeping God first, 
uh, that can I know we, we've had a whole podcast on family devotions, and I know people can think differently about that. Um, and so if it's not family devotions, it is the local church. I mean, commitment to the local church is uh, is priority for sure. And so, uh, you know, sitting under the regular preaching and teaching of God's word is vital. I mean, it's it's commanded uh, to, you know, be, I mean, you know, we see Sundays as covenant renewal. Uh, we know that we are a people, if there's a theme throughout all of scripture, we are a people who forget constantly. Um, and so that's why God in his infinite wisdom said, okay, you know, once a week, ultimately, I'm going to have you come back and remember who you are and who I am and what I've done for you, because we forget it. And so we've got to be having our families consistently in church. That's why it is a huge deal if you miss church, if you skip church. That is a big deal. I was listening to Walt Mueller's podcast today. He had John Nielsen on there um, talking all about Christians who grew up and leave the church and uh, pointing to a family saying, you know, well, we're average or we're, we're church attenders. We're regular. And they, you know, looked at some of the stats and it was they went to 1.8 Sundays a month. Um, and they thought they were regular attenders, and we know there's a lot of stats that have been backing that up. But but keeping those priorities for sure, and so I think to keep those priorities too, we, you know, family is a priority, and family can become an idol very quickly. Um, but a lot of the sports, you know, we can say, you know, well, the family's together or whatever, but the sports are dividing the family too, and there's not a, hey, a dinner table. So just, real quick. Just real quickly, try, try showing up. 1.8 per 4 is is 45%. Just tell your sports coach that you're going to be a regular member of the team and you're going to show up to 45% of the practices and games. <laughs> See how that goes, right? Yeah, just just try it for me. Will you please record it too and send it to me so I can watch your reaction? <laughs> share, share, share it on social media. <laughs> or, just, um, or just send it to me personally. I just want to watch people, you know, I, just would, I would find it very amusing, uh, you know. Uh, no, but there is a redemption side here, which is this. And I think what you're saying is this, is that sports have to have their place. All right. Uh, not to get C.S. Lewis quote happy, but in the very same book that we quoted earlier from mere Christianity, he talks about temperance and he's talking about alcohol and other things. But he says the definition of temperance is going the right length in everything to always go the right length. I think about putting to make a sports analogy. You know, the goal of putting is for the ball to just stop you know, in the hole, you know, just, you know, to have the perfect pace and the perfect line so that it rolls. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, that's how I view temperance too, with, with, with everything in the world, we want to exercise our freedom, but we want to do everything to the right link. What is the right link for sports? And I think the, the, you know, the danger, which we've already talked about is that we let it go way past what is healthy. Um, but I think there is a, you know, the first side of redeeming sports in your child's life in your student's life in, um, in your own life is to say, I'm going to let it go this far and I'm not going to let it go any further. I'm going to set this boundary and this is going to be it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Uh, even though everything in it is going to, the addictive nature of it and, um, is going to ask me to go further each time I'm going to set this limit, right? Because I view sports as being important in this, this much. I view as, as it being this much, this important, and I'm not going to let it be more than, I'm not going to let it be that important, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, trying to use, I'm trying to use quantifiable numbers here, but, you know, um, yeah, I think that's the first step. I think the second step is, is I think we have to change the way that we view, or we have to redeem the way that we view competition. Um, you know, the goal of 
every I tell my students this when I go to watch them play. I say, I do not care if you win or lose. Like, that's not important to me. Um, I have a lot of students who compete against each other from different schools. So sometimes I'll go lots of times I go to a game where I have students on both sides and people will say, well, do you spend you root for the different teams? I was like, I don't care who wins. I was like, it's a very easy situation for me. I do not care who wins. All I want is for my students to play as well as they possibly can. Uh, and I think that that's a healthy way for everyone to think about sports. Whether you win or lose, you know, let's we shouldn't tie our identity to that. Instead, let's just try to do the best that we possibly can. You know, and what, what, what would a coach say? Just leave it all out on the field, you know, and the scoreboard will take care of itself. Or, you know, I, obviously never been much of a coach either. But, um, you know, that like I think we have to we have to instill – in our students, we have to still in our children the mindset that's like winning and losing isn't really the point of competition. The point is for you, for iron to be sharpened. And whether you lose or win, in fact, oftentimes when you lose, your iron is sharpened you know, more sharply, I guess, um, than even when you win. And I think most coaches would tell you that you learn more from a loss than you do from a win. And so the idea of winning and losing, the idea of who gets the trophy or who doesn't, who, you know, who wins the iron bowl or whatever. Like we need to, that, that the importance of that needs to be diminished and the importance of uh, improving, you know, and working hard. Cause I think that's one thing that characterizes God's people throughout history is that we're people who work hard. So evangelicals ought to be really good sports team members because we ought to be working hard when, you know, on the team. So, yeah, I, I think that's one way in which we redeem is by changing the way that we view um, the actual yeah, I think- position itself. <laughs> I think that's good. And so, so to recap, and we'll, we'll say some more for sure, but, you know, parents, <clears throat> keeping God the center of your life, developing yes. your relationship with God first, and then really second to that is keeping the church a priority. I mean, again, someone, and I really can't remember who said this, but you cannot have God as your father if the church is not your mother. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and just the importance of the local church and actually being in church is vitally important for the Christian. So keeping the church a priority um, I think, as you said, thinking differently about competition and helping our children think about that um, for sure. I think another aspect of this, a priority uh, that parents need to, to think about is the priority of marriage. Um, what we talked in our, our dating episode of just the theological significance of marriage and that uh, marriage was a uh, an institution established before the fall. And so we, we have to know that Satan is doing absolutely everything to, to undermine marriage, to destroy marriage. And uh, we've got to see that you know, the, the busyness of our culture, and it's so, mm. mu- so much connected to sports, is pulling spouses apart. And spouses are not uh, getting time together. Uh, there's, you know, we're talking often about the child-centered home that mom and dad are just focused on the children and they're not focused on their marriage at all. And the children see, wow, mom and dad are carting me all around the place and they're giving me all this time and they're sitting in the stands cheering me. I'm the center, I'm the focus. We've got to be, you know, letting children know we love you and your treasures, you're a gift, but mom comes first, dad comes first. Mm. Our marriage is a priority. And and so sports are definitely, I think, chipping away at just uh, marriages so often. Yeah. Um, well, you know, thinking another about another way that we could that a Christian could redeem or how it would look like for a Christian to be a part of a team is, you know, I think there's some clear there's not a direct command in scripture 
uh, or direct instructions about how to be a member of a team, but there are instructions about how we are to encourage one another. And I, I wonder if our students look at their sports teams as their source of community or as their mission field, um, as their as the place where they derive their identity and where they take things or the place where they give things and the opportunity. Because like you said, when you're a member of a team, you have a special relationship with those teammates. And that is an opportunity. If you're a Christian, you know, that's a lot to put on a 15, 16 year old. And we want to have 15 and 16 and 17 year old expectations for them, not 40 year old expectations or, you know, but you know, there, that's an opportunity to speak uh, the truth and love and to build up and encourage and edify uh, your teammates and, uh, and and to and to you know not only to be an example yourself but also to you know to to be an encourager um, to those around you. And I, you know, I think uh, I, I think that I wonder if we really think about sports in that way. I wish I hope that the parents at our church are talking to their children a lot about how their team is an opportunity to really talk about the gospel um, that we don't just, you know, talk about sports with our teammates, but we really talk about what the, mo- the most important things in life are. And I wonder if our students see, I, I try to hope, I hope that our students see that they have this tremendous opportunity to, and I love it when, you know, I meet someone and they say, Hey, this is, you know, a girl comes to youth group and they're like, Hey, this is so-and-so she's on my basketball team. Well, excellent. That's, you know, instead of the youth group functioning or the church functioning to support the basketball team, let's use the basketball team to support the body of Christ. Let's put it in its rightful place. It's not that it's not important. It is important. Everything, you know, it's a bad theology to say that like, well, sports doesn't matter. They do matter because everything matters because, but this is a, you know, the harvest, you know, the fields are ripe for the harvest. And one of the fields that you may have as a student and as a parent is, you know, one of the fields that you have as a parent are those people that are sitting beside you on the bleachers, um, cheering for the team or, you know, whoever. And are we using those opportunities to connect people to something that's going to give them far more uh, significance and fulfillment than sports, connecting them to Jesus Christ? So I would say that's one way to redeem sports is we use them to fuel what is the most important thing in life. Yeah, no, that's that's well said, Kurt. I know we, we've just hit... 30 minutes and we want to try to stay close to that. I know we might say a few more things as we're closing this down Mm -hmm. just to maintain some balance here too. We've got to say that there are absolutely those students who are uniquely gifted at sports and God, the creator of all things has given them um, this gift, you know? And so we need to say, okay, the Lord has given them this gift how do we steward it um, to His glory? And so there, there are going to be those those athletes that that come into our our households, that come into our churches, and we as Christians need to uh, need to help them steward those gifts and come alongside them and affirm those gifts. And I think one of the things too that I've said before is just if you see those uniquely gifted athletes, be talking to them about hard issues that, look, you're uniquely gifted. Um, I mean, I've said this specifically to a student. Be cautious of pride. Um, because you are gifted, um, because you are gifted in this way, you're going to be tempted in this way. And so just trying to have those discipleship moments to prepare them. So again, just to maintain some balance, we want to say there are going to be those athletes that we want to come alongside and disciple them in a, in a unique way to use their talents to, to point others uh, you know, away from themselves and to the giver of the gift. So Absolutely. Kurt, I just want to say, you know, I've had some kids, some kids come through the ministry while I've been here. Um, who, you know, went on to play collegiate sports, m- multiple 
collegiate athletes. And one thing that I find interesting about those particular students that I've got in mind right now is that for them, their sport was important, but the church was important, was just as even more important than their sport. And um, and I've had a lot, of, you know, on the other hand, I've had students who clearly sports were more important to them than the church and they didn't go on. And that's not, you know, that's yeah. that isn't, you know, that's anecdotal. I understand that. But the ones that I the students that I've been fortunate enough to minister to who have been good enough at sports, uniquely gifted and talented and also put in the hard work that's required to do that, um, have had, you know, the two of them that I'm thinking of right now have had the right like theology about their sports. They've had, you know, people in their lives who've been speaking to them, even from a young age saying, this is not what defines you, but this is your platform. Um, this is your platform that God's given you to speak to, uh, to speak in an area where other people don't get to go. You get to go there. You're a missionary to this area or this part of the culture. And I don't get to go there. Your mom and dad don't get to go there. You get to go there. And this is an opportunity for you. So don't not only enjoy what this gift that God's given you, but also use it. And, and they've done it well. So, I, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. My timer just yeah. went off. Yeah. No, it's good. Hey, look, um, let, let's give some resources. If you want to jump in and say some some last things, comments, Kurt, feel free to no, do no, that. But just, let's, let's go to the resources. I don't hate sports. I just want to say that. I don't hate sports. I, we I like, sincerely, yeah. yeah, we both sincerely love sports, but there there is room for criticism and we do need to mm-hmm. accept this as Christians. We need to wrestle with this mm-hmm. um, for sure because there is uh, there are some glaring blind spots that uh, the church has just um, been, yeah, um, I guess we're done it there, been blind to. So um, we need to talk about them and it can be uncomfortable at times, but we still need to to talk about them. Um, so yeah, so some resources, two books that are coming to mind as we've said some things here. Uh, they're both by a guy named, uh, called, uh, yeah, his name is Chad Gibbs. Uh, the first is God and Football. And he traveled to all the SEC schools and just kind of chronicles that he's hilarious i mean it is a funny laugh out loud book but also kind of gets into some idolatry uh but in a very just subtle easy way so if you're just kind of looking for a fun read i would say god in football uh chad gibbs he's written for espn before he's been on espn before he's a good writer he also wrote another book called love thy rival and he Mm. traveled around the world and and visited the greatest rivalries um and so uh, yeah, in any sport. I mean, all sorts of sports. And so that one's uh, funny as well. But just thinking about how we can love our enemies and, uh, uh, you know, in the midst of rivalries, too. It's it's a good book. So God in Football and Love Thy Rival. Um, and then an, an article that, you know, as we're kind of, we want to recommend resources, but we also want to talk about kind of cultural artifacts. I, I just, so somebody pointed out this uh, article recently um, in uh, an article I think Joe Carter wrote on the Gospel Coalition, but he linked to this research, and this is actually from 2017, but it's from Lifeway Research, and the the title is Americans are fond of the Bible, but they don't actually read it. And so it just gives some stats there, and uh, I thought it was you know relevant to this conversation as we're talking about sports and we're talking about Christians more and more just kind of turning away from the church and not really being regular attenders, and as we're trying to raise this next generation uh, to love Jesus Christ and to know his word, it's interesting to see that uh, more and more research is showing not only are Christians not attending churches frequently, they're also not reading the Bible. Mm. Uh, that should that should sober us for this future generation. I mean, uh, what the implications for 
for the church of what that's going to mean. So again, those will be linked uh, in this the, the show notes to this podcast. We've actually, I just put a generic link uh, to rym.org on our previous podcast, but starting with episode 10.2 of the dating podcast, I did uh, www.rym.org slash links, and that goes straight to our Parenting Today link. So as you're listening to this, click on that link, and you should be able to see all of these uh, articles that we've referenced, as well as previous episodes. Kurt, we're at 36 minutes. This is our longest episode, actually, and we could talk a lot more about sports. Anything you want to say as we close out? No, you pretty much covered it. Um, sports are not bad, um, but they can be, and sports are good, but they cannot be, too. Um, hey, anyway... John, I enjoyed talking with you about this, and I think there's a lot more to talk about. And I'll just shamelessly plug your book one more time because I think it's worth plugging. Um, time out, John Parrott. Look it up. It's, it's available on Amazon, right? That's correct. Yes, you should you should order it. It's good. John does not completely bash sports in there, so if you love sports, it's not that's not what's going to happen there. But you could be convicted of some things. All right, John. Um, I've got to go. Uh, I've got several. I've got a soccer practice I got to attend, and then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. I was going to be like, I had all these sports listed that I was going to do. Then I got disc golf uh, round to play. <laughs> and then my bowling league is tonight. So can we please hurry this up? Um, uh, anyway, it's, it's good talking to you. And uh, I'll see you next week. Sounds good, Kurt. See you, man.